Hello, everybody. It's draft season. It's literally draft season. Oh, my God. Oh, geez. I, I wanted to do something a little different here. So I'm starting a new series to commemorate draft season commencing. It's called ADP Battles or Average Draft Position Battles. I'm going to do that with other fantasy experts, and I've got a guest on today to help me do that. All right, We're going to be looking at two players at certain draft positions and debating who to take. This is hot content right here. All right, let's get to biz. This is Apples and Genos. You are listening to Cream of the Crop. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Cream of the Crop, a fantasy hockey podcast. It's an Apples and Genos presentation. Thank you, Apples and Genos, for the presentation. I'm your host, Blake Creamer. Please follow me on X. It's at Blake Creamer AG. Also, Apples and Genos has a Discord link. is in the description. You know what to do. You click it, and you get to talk to me. All right? And, uh, yeah, I'm in there on the regular, having lots of nice conversations with everybody. Like-minded fantasy managers, you know the drill. All right? And I do have to mention, please go rate the pod if you haven't already. Um, again, those of you who have, thank you so much. We are actually approaching 100 ratings on Spotify. That's nice. You know what I mean? That's a feather in the cap. That's something I'll be able to tell my mother and she'll put it on the fridge and we'll be able to look at that later on, you know, and feel proud about that. All right. So get your biscuits over there and rate the pod, please. And thank you. All right. I've got a very special guest today. This is going to be awesome. It's a returning guest, actually, to the Apples and Genos universe. So, yeah, this is my first time interviewing this legend. But uh, Victor Nuno, junior editor at Dauber Prospects and co-host of both the Dauber Prospects Report and Fantasy Hockey Life podcast, an absolute beauty in the fantasy world. Victor, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome, Blake. Thanks for that amazing introduction and definitely been enjoying all the, the great stuff that you guys have been putting out there. And it's a it's a pleasure to to be on with you. Yeah, I've talked with Nate a couple of times, but I haven't had the Blake pleasure pleasure yet. Th- that's right. Well, get ready to live, buddy. All right. This is this is about to pop off. We're about to get the business here. Um, uh, but yeah, buddy, um, I appreciate so much what you guys are doing. You're you're pumping out a ton of content yourself there. Um, Dauber Prospects Report is a great, great podcast. I used um, you know, during the draft and in a couple, we were talking offline with some of the leagues that I'm doing with, you know, all my prospects, cause I, I don't have a freaking clue to be honest. So that's why I got, uh, you know, pros like yourself and Peter kind of, kind of helping us out, but buddy, how's your summer been so far? Yeah. I've uh, been talking to you a little bit on Twitter slash X, but, uh, yeah, how's that going for you? It's going great. I think, uh, as a lot of you saw that I was able to go to the draft in Nashville. That was a, that was a whole yeah. lot of fun. Met so many people and, Talk to talk to a bunch of great people in the space. It's just a great community. You know, I think that's one of the best things. I know you've mentioned that before. I totally agree. And so meeting some of these beauties in person was was really excellent. And then a whole lot of a whole lot of team preview stuff we're doing over at Fantasy yeah. Hockey Life. It's uh it's <laughs> cranking out. This weekend we have eight hours of recording to uh to get all that content in. So it's just it's kind of just what happens when you need to do so many in a short span. And then Jesse wants to take a weekend off and it's like, all right, quadruple it up, buddy. That's what we gotta do. A weekend off, buddy. No. All right. Now is where we double down. All right. You guys are crushing over there at Fantasy Hockey Life as well. Um, I listened to that last episode, the Dallas uh, one. I love that you guys get, uh, you know, beat reporters and guests in there as well, just to kind of, you know, increase the the value of the content there. It's good stuff. So you got to check it out over there at Fantasy Hockey Life as well. All right. But that's not why we're here. We're here to do battle. All right. 
Big time battle. That's why I brought this man in. I knew it was time to do battle and I needed a challenge from a worthy adversary. We're doing average draft position battles. Okay, I'm going to be doing a little series here with some fantasy hockey legends, uh, just like Victor here. Basically, we're going to name two players at certain draft positions, and we're going to decide who we're taking and why. And hopefully, you know, we disagree on some stuff so we can, you know, just start chirping each other uh, hardcore because that's what we do. All right. Um, we can't do that. Now, we're too nice, aren't we, Victor? Yeah, buddy, for sure. There you go. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. Um, all right. So, but we are going to see if, uh, you know, who we're taking and why. And hopefully we can have a little bit of debate about these players. And it's just something that could be helpful and fun leading into draft season here. So, um, for in terms of format, we're going to do a points league with, you know, a little bit of banger waiting. Nothing crazy, though. So, you know, maybe hits, blocks, and shots. We'll throw some some points on there. Just regular stuff. But, uh, Victor, before we start, um, I and, well, I've got you here. Just how do you go about valuing players in fantasy? What are some of the metrics that you look at there? Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of, I think, underlying things that are that are really good because you can just look at what they did last year, obviously, but there's reasons why that may or may not repeat. Obviously, you can go into a new team is like the most obvious thing. What's the role? I think there's some really good things like contract dictates opportunity and role to to a big extent you know we we play in cap leagues and that sometimes you want the cheaper guys but also it's not necessarily bad to have the expensive guys because you know they're going to get the opportunity right that's huge so contract is helpful even if you're not a cap league you know you can see all right they're paying this guy eight nine million dollars like that's they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna get all the top power play time they want you know that's huge i think obviously rate stats are really helpful you know per 60 stats as opposed to just like raw numbers because you can look at you know how many goals and, and shots and you know those kinds of things i know you guys talk about this a lot but rate stats are huge because you know you want to see like what are they doing with the time on ice and then maybe they're gonna if they're gonna get a boost potentially in time on ice then that is gonna increase that you want to look at things like shooting percentage that can really tell you whether someone's going to regress or not you know i mean it was like wasn't it like tanner Janot shot like 25 percent last year or something crazy like that and it's like yeah what happened to him this year yeah obviously he regressed a ton i mean he probably regressed too far but there's there's a lot of things that you can glean from that i think ipp and power play ipp is probably the other big one because people don't usually rock really high or low points participation for too long it tends to average out you know to close to 70 for forwards and 50 for high-end defensemen something like that so you can kind of see like also what just what their own average was right unless there's a really good reason why it has shifted like maybe they just started getting more opportunity in the top six you know mm -hmm. there's a really clear explanation that it can be reasonable but for the most part it's like you know, there, if something is a real big outlier, you can expect it to, to regress back to the mean, either positively or negatively uh, increasing or decreasing. So those are some of the big things that you look at. And I think this is what makes it so fun, because you can't just look at like someone that scored a certain number of points last year and they're just going to do it again this year. Like a couple of guys we're going to talk about this year, like I don't think that's going to be the case. So it, it's a little foolish to just to just look at last year's stats, although that can be very informative as well. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. We're so on the same page. Did we just become best friends? I think so. You know what? I think we're going to be friends. 
Nice. Oh, sweet. Uh, that's a verbal contract. All right. That's nice. That's recorded for everyone to see. But yeah, honestly, I remember uh, beginning in fantasy, you chase performances, don't you? It's like, oh, that guy had 80 points last season. Like, okay, he should be able to get 80 points again this season. No. All right. There's so many different factors. And like the more layers we peel off of this onion, it's like, wow. You know, I just did a, an episode with Corey Schneider from all three zones, just about micro stats. So zone entries, passing stats, transition stats, all this stuff. What the hell? I mean, that's like a that's like a mind blown kind of thing. You just you're just exposed to more, and there's just you can get to a really granular level with with these players. And and I'm I'm kind of starting to go down that rabbit hole myself. Oh, hopefully not too far, because I think you know you got to watch the games too, right? <laughs> and sort of understand what the hell is going on. But um, yeah, I think we're right in line there. So I'm excited to get into this with you here, Victor. Um, do you watch a lot of games? Like, do you find like something that like I'm doing this fantasy stuff really well. And I, I watch a lot of highlights and sometimes games, but I just can't make time to watch these entire games. Do you find that you watch a lot of games? I watch way too much hockey, but do I sit down and watch one game from start to finish? Not usually. I'm usually clicking around, you know, it's like, oh, this game, these they're on the power play. So I'll click over to that one. I'll watch, yeah, yeah. you know, or, or like this one's close at the end or this one's, you know, five, nothing. Okay. Boring. Let's put a different one on. So, I definitely jump around, um, but I, I know there's always guys that you're interested in watching. So you tend, I tend to, you know, pay attention a little bit more when someone's doing something interesting, getting a new opportunity that I wasn't expecting, you know, new guy on the power play perhaps, mm -hmm. or, you know, guy getting more time on ice and some of the prospects. I want to see how they're doing. So I do definitely watch way too much, but I, I definitely jump around, you know, and kind of see what's, what's going on in, in different in different games, but yeah, I'll definitely, I mean, during the season, I'm usually watching like, I don't know, two to three or more hours a day, but it's not one game. It's like parts of a bunch of different games. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. I love that. Um, yeah, I just, I'm so excited for this season. I think it's going to be so fun, but uh, yeah. All right, let's get into it. Let's, are you ready to do battle, my man? ADP battle? I was going to say, I have one question for you. What you got? Are you ready to go to war with me, Balake? Oh, my God. You ready to go to... Are you out of your goddamn mind? <laughs> um, Bilake, yeah, I've heard it a long time and it never gets old. That skit is hilarious. Oh, my God. That's so good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for it. All right. We'll see you at the party, Victor. All right, we're going to do it. We're getting to battle. Let's get the biz. All right, so for the first ADP battle, we are looking at round one, pick number nine, all right? And you got Jason Robertson staring you in the face, and you also have Jack Hughes. What say you, Victor? Who are you taking here, Jack Hughes or J-Rob at pick nine? This is so early, right? Like pick nine, you're not, you don't want to stray. You don't want to pick someone that you are have any lack of confidence in. And I think for the most part, I'm not super worried about this pick because I think both are beauties. I think both are amazing. I mean, we saw what Jack Hughes did and, you know, basically he's a hundred point player, even though he hit 99, 104 point pace. I think he's, he's going to join the, the dry saddle McDavid ranks of like 120 plus point pace pretty soon, if not this upcoming year. And so I don't have too much concern about him. I, I like what the devils are doing. Obviously he's going to be part of any top, 
you know, production that's going to be happening there in New Jersey. And they, they also seem to be set up for a long time, right. With some younger players moving forward. Uh, I know we're not looking long-term too much this, this year, but he's kind of entering his, his peak prime is Jack Hughes, you know, but, but, but also J Rob is there, right? I mean, he's already doing it. He outpaced him last year. He's two years older. He's kind of in that middle of the prime and, and they just have such a good thing going in Dallas. It's hard to, it's hard to argue with that. You know, if you, if you look at some of the per 60 stats just last year, basically Robertson was better in a lot of them, but not all of them. The rate stats actually in a, in a lot of them go to Hughes in terms of shots, shots on goal. Um, some of the other, you know, underlying issues or stats there kind of lean a little bit Hughes, but in terms of the points per 60, it was higher for Robertson. And in terms of the, power play it was it was definitely robertson so i think it's probably going to be close and so you're not going to be upset either way but because he's a winger and i think there's better center depth i would probably just go j-rob even though i do like Hughes, and i would be a little sad about not having him but i think you can get you know three or four rounds later could probably get not an equivalent center, but probably a better quality center than you can winger. So I, I guess I would lean J Rob, but uh, I don't think you can go wrong here. Blake, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like that take for sure. Um, you know, and it, it makes a lot of sense. It's totally valid that you getting that kind of positional scarcity first, because there is such a glut of centers that are just, they're good way later on, even at like pick a hundred, you know, we'll talk about some more players, but there's, there's still lots of really viable centers later on that said, Oh my God, I got to take my boy, Jack Hughes at, at number nine. I'd take him earlier. Honestly, uh, this is a guy I am huge on this season. Jack Hughes. Um, first off, New Jersey as a team, I'm just really interested in. I mean, that's not a hot take. We know their top six is ridiculous there. I mean, Dallas top six is very good as well. Their top line is very good. But to me, New Jersey top six, elite. Um, you know, I like to look at team stats as well. And New Jersey last season at all strengths, 16th in shooting percentage, right? So that's middling. But they were fifth in shots four per 60. And they were first in scoring chances four per 60. So that doesn't make sense. It's like a team that's shooting so much and uh, number one in scoring chances, that should equal a higher uh, shooting percentage, which they were only able to you know, hit at 16th in the league. So I think there's a positive regression coming for some New Jersey players, Jack Hughes included. Um, but the, the main thing that really separates Hughes from Jason Robertson to me is the ability for him to create offense on his own. Right. Um, I mentioned to you, I was talking with Corey Schneider recently, but this is something I've been thinking about a long time, uh, you know, previous is Jack Hughes is elite off the rush, right? He creates so much, you know, bringing uh, in his own entries and creating chances and goals off the rush. Whereas Jason Robertson is kind of like a half rank guy. He's like a trigger man. So he's not really, he's not really needed to do those zone entries or that transition stuff. He's kind of just elite at his shot and finding soft spots, you know, in the offense. But he has Rupa hints on his line to kind of, you know, drive that play, whereas Jack Hughes sort of does it on his own, right? Jack Hughes is the Rupa hints, and he's also kind of elite at, at other things as well, like the metrics you mentioned there. Shots and goal per 60, six overall in the entire league at all strengths. Uh, Jack Hughes, J-Rob was eighth, so they're right in the wheelhouse together. Um, individual scoring chances for Hughes was ninth overall, whereas Jason Robertson was 22nd. So both elite, but Jack Hughes, minor edge there in shots and scoring chances, right? And then c combine that with the fact that he's, 
you know, doing this all off the rush for me. Hughes is my boy. Also, um, something else I like about Hughes, his ice time is uh, has room for improvement, I think. Like, you know, he he granted he had just under 20 minutes last season. I think that can bump up to over 20 minutes. Um, Jason Robertson, too. Actually, now that I'm looking at this because I looked at Hughes and I didn't look at Robertson's ice time, but Robertson was at 1850. So he's got some room, I think, to go as well. Obviously, he's not doing anything shorthanded, but more power play time probably for both players. I just in in a bubble, uh, you know, I'll take Hughes. I think both are amazing players. It's it's all just about how you want to build your team, right? And uh, I'm th- I'm hoping that Hughes gets that dual eligibility too. I think in f- I don't know if it was Fantrax or Yahoo, he was center left wing for some reason. I don't know why because he's the center, right? But uh, you know, if he gets that dual eligibility, then that part kind of equals out, right? Because I do like J Rob for that. Um, but yeah, I'm just. They're both analytics darlings, but I'm a little higher on Hughes this season. I don't know. But like you said, there's no whiffs at this point in the draft. I think these are both solid guys and both, you know, 100 point and over kind of guys. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on Jack Hughes? Yeah, no, no whiffs for sure. And yeah, I love I love Corey's tracking data. Definitely haven't listened to that new one with you and him yet. I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, I remember he treat, tweeted out at one point one of Hughes's player cards and he kind of circled that entry area and kind of wrote on there refuses to dump the puck in which is pretty much the case like jack hughes is an entry machine to the zone he's just so incredible at that and and yeah he definitely is a transition like genius and that really helps yeah i don't i don't know that i don't know that it necessarily i mean i i like him a ton. I don't know that for me that particularly tilted away from J Rob just because if I had to choose between a guy who just like sets up and hammers one timers on the power play and a guy who's really good at transition just in a in a vacuum, not these two players in particular. I think I'm taking the power play, you know, shooter all day long, but Jack Hughes obviously does so many other things as well and he's elite for for creation. And I do think it's a good point though, like there are some guys who are maybe just passengers that you have to worry about and Jack Hughes is like the guy. So you don't worry about that. But I also think J Rob at this point has pretty much established himself as, as the guy on that team, him and hints, you know, and it just works so well with Pavelski and the rest of the guys. But I don't think that initially, I think we were a little worried about that, about Robertson, but I don't think that's really the case now. Like, I don't really care who he plays with. Like he's going to be amazing. And so, but that is something to think about as you get later in the first round into the second round. Like, is this the guy or is this like a guy on that line and just looks good because of everybody else? But here, nah, I think we're good. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly don't think Jason Robertson looks good because of everyone else. He's elite in his own way, but he's he's not a great skater, right? And he doesn't, he's not really good in transition. He's just elite, uh, like beyond elite at what he does in the offensive zone, you know, finding holes, his shot. Um, he's an efficient player as well. So sometimes I, it, it, it doesn't give me pause so much with Jason Robertson, but like, you know, he shoots at a pretty high level and sometimes, you know, what if that goes away, right? Um, if shooting's his big thing and all of a sudden the efficiency goes down, you know, it, it's just something I think about, but I mean, again, we're, we're splitting hairs here. Jack Hughes, Jason Robertson, you're loving that pick at nine either way book it all right we feel good about this all right let's move on next pick this is going to be in round three pick number 36 all right and we're we're in the market for a defenseman and we got eric carlson and rasmus dalin at pick 36 round three right at the turn there what are you doing victor yeah well this is i think to me a little bit easier than the other one 
I, I don't know that I would call this a whiff, but I think for me, it's pretty clear that I'm taking Dolly in here because Carlson's last season was ridiculous. I mean, basically, and I watched way too many Sharks games because they're the team closest to me and yeah. it was fun watching Carlson, but like basically they just told him and everybody knows he's not good at defense, but they're like, don't worry about it. Just go score, which <laughs> worked out for their tanking too. You know, uh, I mean, he probably scored a few too many points for their for their overall liking, but he <laughs> was doing, you know, getting all the opportunity, not having to worry about, you know, I mean, he turned the puck over. What you what you didn't see in those points is he turned the puck over so many times it directly led to a goal for the other team. Right. And was like, whatever, right? Just go score, right? Yeah. And so he he's not going to be able to do that in Pittsburgh. They're trying to win. They're trying to, you know, get the band back together one more time, rally for another cup, you know, with, with Malkin and Crosby and Latang and everybody. Plus, yeah, Latang, right? I mean, he's there and he's great. You know, they're both right-handed shots. I'm not really sure how that's going to work. I mean, we've seen we've seen the Burns Carlson experiment. It didn't really work having two guys like that. I don't know that Latang and Carlson are different enough. They tried to move Burns over to the one-timer spot. That wasn't really his jam. I don't think that's Carlson's jam either. I mean, he and Latang are kind of similar in how they walk the line and create lanes and and are really effective passers. Like they both have good shots, but that's not really why they're out there. So I'm just really skeptical of how that's all going to work. And I just don't see him coming anywhere near what he did last season. I think he could still be a 60 to 70 point defenseman, which is great, but that's like, you know, almost half what he did last year or, you know, a little bit more than that. But I just don't see his points per 60 continuing. I don't see his power play share, at least not as the isolated power play QB continuing. I think his points participation was way too high because he was doing everything. He's going to have to spread all that around. And if you look at some of the under other underlyings, like the power play points per 60, better for Darlene. The shots on goal per 60, better for Darlene. You know, in terms of some of the other things that you like, you know, obviously play driving, things like that, better for Darlene. So, you know, I th- and the power play and the time on ice, excuse me, was similar. And so were the luck metrics. So you take away all of that opportunity and power play time and regress Carlson hard. It's going to be he's going to be hard pressed to get anywhere near what Darlene is doing. And, you know, Buffalo team on the rise. Some people may say Owen Powers there, but he's not ready to supplant. Darlene and them being different handedness, I think might also kind of make it difficult because they'd have to reconfigure their power play for, mm-hmm. for power to, to be up there. So they might have two, but the, the, the Sabres just look to be, you know, taking a step forward and he's basically broken out. So I just find it hard to believe that he's going to not do better than Carlson who has so many more questions and the trajectory for Darlene is up. And I just can't imagine that Carlson does anywhere near what he did last season. So I think uh, it's pretty clear to me that I'm, I'm ringing up Darlene all day here. I, I I do think that if Carlson's available here, it's not the worst pick. Like if Darlene goes and you're like, ah, you know, I, I think I'd be happy getting Carlson a little bit later, a few picks later, maybe. But I, if they're both there, it's an easy choice for me. What about you, Blake? Yeah. No, I, man, that's awesome analysis. Like, I, 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 I want to disagree with you, but I can't, damn it, because it's, it's just that makes total sense. Everything you said, I would take Darlene here, too. Um, the reason I wanted to throw Carlson in here, um, and I did an episode recently just on top 10 defensemen and talked about Carlson quite a bit in more detail, but 
you know, a lot of people are going to be, you know, like we talked about, they're going to be chasing performances like, oh, 100 point Carlson. Here we go. Let's go. Like, no, it's that's there were so many factors that allowed that to happen. Like you said in in San Jose, right? It's like I, I always like this analogy. I always think about the Fresh Prince where like uh, Will Smith was playing basketball and, and the coach is like, OK, guys, give it to Will. All right. Well, you know, the plan is like, yeah, yeah, give it to Will. And like, so that's what they're doing with Carlson. Like, hey, buddy, just pass to Carlson and let him <laughs> skate it up. And then whatever happens, happens, you know. And then come on, buddy, team player. All right. 109 points in a tank year. No. Like, what are you doing? Was it 109? I don't even know. But uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I cannot see. I just wanted to bring attention to Carlson because I still think a lot of people are going to be taking him early. And I think we need to fade him a little bit. Like, if you can get him in the fourth or fifth round, I think that's more reasonable. But third round Carlson, I'm not into it, right? I think he's still an elite option at D for fantasy, right? But when you have career highs across the board at this age, like that, that should give you pause. You know, that's, that's like a red flag. Like everything went perfect for Carlson last year. He was able to play a full 82 as well. But like you said, shot percentage, ballistic, that's going to regress on ice shooting percentage, career highs. That's going to regress. And I'm not even convinced that he gets power play one all season in Pittsburgh. You know, I mm-hmm. think he'll get first crack at it. Like that's why you pick up a guy like Carlson. But I mean, they're they're really just going to kick Latang to the curb. Like this guy has tenure. You know what I mean? He's been there doing this uh, like successfully for years. So I just I don't see how they just say Latang, you're going to power play two. Have a coke and a smile. Like no, I I think that I, I could see them doing a two defenseman setup on power play one for a little bit. And I don't know. I could see times in the season where Carlson will be on power play two. You know if they're struggling or whatever else. But um, yeah, so I think we got to fade him a little bit, but. Also, his deployment. His deployment is going to go way down with Pittsburgh because he's not needed to do everything, like you said. He doesn't have to play hero puck anymore. Um, but as far as Darlene goes, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, I actually think that Darlene and Carlson are similar. Like, um, they're comparables to me. Um, like, Carlson at his at his actual level, not this 100-point level that he just had, right? Like, I think Carlson at his actual level is, is somewhat comparable, at least in fantasy. We're not talking about defensive, you know, acumen <laughs> but um the, the main the main difference for me though is Dalin brings the periffs he brings the thunder right and if we got a little bit of banger waiting that's also another reason to to go Dalin here and i think that you know Dalin's good to go he's the trajectory is up carlson trajectory down we got to take the young buck here i'm with you i also think Dalin could be a 20 goal threat next season i don't know what do you think about that my man I've never thought about it that much, but I don't think that he, I mean, he's never really been the shooter, you know, like he's definitely more of a creator. He's, he's got amazing offensive instincts and really good at, you know, creating space. So, I mean, if he gets close enough, like he's not going to score 20 goals from that far back. Um, but he, you know, he's a career 6% shooter and that's a little bit higher than what most defensemen are. So, in last two seasons, he shot a bit over 7%. I could see him being one of these guys that shoots closer to 8 for his career because he is just so good at kind of coming down from the point. Yeah, uh, It de- kind of depends on, like, he's not a guy who's just going to beat you clean, though. It's more like, you know, screenshot, there's some traffic. Like, he's he's it's more placement goals, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And I think he can. It's uh, it, he's He's kind of been trending up in his goals, too. I think that's kind of interesting. But he's he's definitely more of an of an assist guy as most defensemen are. Um, I think it depends on also how the coach, you know, wants the wants the offense to go because I think a lot of smart coaches are moving away from, 
you know, shot generation from the point, trying to get the puck down lower. And I've seen more of that in Buffalo, but there are definitely times where there's kind of a broken play and he walks down and yeah, he's definitely going to score if that happens. So it kind of depends on how much of that is going on. I'm not, I'm not sure. He's definitely a candidate to be in this 15 range for a while, which is, yeah, which is definitely lovely, right? Yeah, I love that. I, I just love defensemen that that shoot a lot, right? And he upped his shots huge, um, you know, 2.1 this season previous and 2.6 this last season. I, I can see him going up to a three-shot-per-game kind of defenseman. I mean, that's, you know, 20 goals, three shots per game. That's a bit of a hot take, right? But uh, it's a, that's a lukewarm take. I think that's, you know, within the range of possibilities. But um, I could see this man definitely getting 15 to 20 goals next season. So I'm excited for what they're doing for that freaking wagon over in uh, Buffalo there. Oh, my God. That team went from, like, just the stinkiest team in the league to now they're just – the cupboards are right full. The team on the ice is amazing. Like, what the hell happened there in Buffalo? And they they drafted so well. Yeah, they have they have some of the some of the best prospects you know around, and and a few of them that are really ready to to you know break in now. Yuri Kulik is a guy who could who could be right there, and they just they don't even need him. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's I I do. Yeah, I do ranks over at Fancy Hockey Rank uh, Life, and they're the second ranked prospect pool they're just they're so stacked and they what's what's great too is they they have guys that are ready now a year away two years away three years away like they got it they're just going to be yeah like you said they're going to be a wagon for years to come i think because it's sometimes you see like one wave and you're like hoping that wave hits but with buffalo it's going to be like wave after wave and i i can't imagine they all miss yeah they're just going to stagger that success and and uh it's a great place for these prospects to kind of you know, get their, get their feet wet. And I love, uh, you know, they were able to lock up Tage and cousins both to like big contracts, like at a young age, that's huge. I mean, and reasonable contracts too, that I think should age well. So yeah. Super, super smart. Actually, that's a really interesting discussion because yeah, in, in contract leagues, you're always looking for value. And I, I think, so in, in one of my recent um, contract leagues, I took Tage Thompson with my first pick because he is not only young entering his prime, but that great contract, just over seven mil. I, I, I really don't like Cousins contract as much, even though because they're basically the same. I mean, it's like 42,000 more for Tage for a similar term. And obviously Tage is doing a little bit better. I think Cousins contract is still going to be OK, but I think when we look back at this, we're going to say the first few years of Cousins was was an overpay, and then he's kind of in that range. But with Tage, like already this year, you're saying yeah. he's going to be worth Bargain. it. He's going to be yeah. way over what he's producing at that contract. So in a contract league, I mean, I would do whatever you can to acquire Tage Thompson because that's just gonna he's going to way outperform that value yeah. for the entirety of the contract. I think Jason Robertson too, not to mention amazing things they're doing over there in Dallas, locking these guys up. I don't know. And we got the Canucks over here. We we got uh, we got Tyler Myers. All right, that's nice. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. That's depressing. Let's move on. All right, now we're talking pick number sixty. This is round number five at pick sixty. All right, and we are looking at two players here: Carter Verhage and Evander Kane at pick sixty in your points league draft with banger waiting. Who are you taking, Victor? Yeah, this is interesting with the with the banger waiting. Obviously, we know that Kane has been really good at throwing his hits around, and he certainly does a, a lot more than that. I mean, I don't think that Verhage is is awful at that. I mean, he's he's been uh, well. He twenty nine hits last year wasn't great, so you got Kane almost a 
what is that? Quite quite a few quite a few more than that. Yeah, um, <laughs> he does that six times yep. as much or so. But if you look at the rest of it, the shots are way better for Verhage, and you know he's he's getting a lot more power play points, like a ton more, like twenty to two. So that's a that's a huge difference. You have to remember, you know, people are like, oh, Kane, you know, and and Edmonton, but it's like he's a he's not getting the the best deployment, especially in terms of power play. He's getting some decent even strength deployment, but he's he's actually not usually making as much of it mm-hmm. when he is out there. And so that's that's important to keep in mind. And you know, you you look at the the points participation is is kind of in line, but he's just not getting as much as you would think if he's getting a ton of exposure to like those elite talents. So it's actually quite a bit disappointing uh, in terms of like. You know, in the San Jose days, he was getting all the, the the prime deployment, and I watched him a lot there. And I and the thing about Kane that I think some people may not realize is that he was always a pretty decent volume shooter, but he was never accurate. He just throws pucks at the right, net, yeah. and it's like sometimes they go in, sometimes they bounce off people. Like you know, obviously when Drysaddle feeds you a wide open net, you're going to hit that, but you know he doesn't hit a lot of the other, you know, even relatively difficult shots, and so you're not going to necessarily get a ton of that from Kane. So it's basically, I think people kind of overvalue his points contribution and his hits are great. His blocks have never been that amazing and the shots are good. So he's only like two thirds of that, that bash that that's really good. And, and if he was a 70 point player, then like he was for, for two years there, then I think that changes the conversation, but I think he's more of like a 50, 55, which is what he was last year. So that really kind of lowers his, his ceiling in my mind. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm verhating a little bit on Kane and I'm going to probably, I'm going to go with Verhage because I just think the points upside is so much bigger with Verhage in terms of his, his deployment has been better. Um, I, I mentioned this on, on my show, but I had a really unfortunate situation a couple of years ago where I actually had to drop Verhage in the middle of my championship run just because I was trying to like maximize starts and ended up winning. So it was fine, but I knew I was dropping a good player in the last two years yep. have just proven that, you know, beyond any question of a doubt. Uh, so he's, he's, I think kind of even done better than I expected. Like I thought he could be like a, you know, 55, 65 point guy. And he's, he's basically, you know, looks like he's a 70 to 80 point guy and he continues to get the good deployment. He, you know, even strength power play time is, is pretty decent getting exposure to those top guys and doing a lot with it. Um, and, you know, we saw in the playoffs, he was like one of their, their clutch guys. So, I think he they rely on him for scoring, and it's not just. A, I think sometimes with these high perif guys, you gotta worry that is that all they are? Because if if they're like a forty to fifty point guy with good perifs, that's waiver wire fodder. And if they they got to get the points up a little bit higher than Kane has to be as exciting. And I still think he's interesting because he does have that even strength exposure to to really great players. But I, I think for me this is this is a bit easier, and I'm definitely going for Hagee. What about you? Hens love roosters, geese love ganders. Well, you'd be wrong, Victor. All right, come on. We got to take a gander at Evander. All right. No, um, everything you said makes total sense. Um, I, I actually chose these two players because I think they're comparable because uh, they're both even strength warriors to me. These are both guys that get work done, you know, not on the power play. Like, you know, Carter Hagee, 13 power play points last season. Um, Patrick or Patrick Kane, Evander Kane, um, he had two. 
right? I mean, that, granted, that's in 41 games, but these guys are getting most of their doing most of their work on the on the, the you know at even strength, right? So, um, to me, I like Kane better because I trust Evander Kane. I trust his advanced metrics. Uh, and I believe that he's underachieved over the past two seasons. So to your point, like if, if Evander Kane is like a 50 point guy, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, it's not even close to me with between him and Verhage, but I think he's a 65 to 70 point guy next season. Um, and that's, that's sort of where I'm, I projected him, you know, conservatively for 65 points, including like, you know, 30 to 35 goals next season. Um, I just think if you look at the last couple of seasons with, with uh, Evander Kane, um, there's been so many distractions that's, that have been going on for him. Like he was at bankruptcy, he had like some, you know, a divorce, messy divorce all over the internet. He had that, you know, um, bad injury to his wrist last season as well. Um, so I, that all said, like, his advanced metrics, the ones we look at here, you know, shots on goal per 60, Corsi 4 per 60, individual scoring chances for, those are all elite. Like Kane, he he just does that year after year, right? Um, and he's doing that on the Oilers, right? So to me, I just trust that. Uh, Verhage ha- had an amazing season, no question. Like 42 goals, I did not see that coming. Um, but he did that in, you know, limited ice time, only 17 minutes, 30 seconds average time on ice mostly on power play too, right? He only had a 38% power play share there. Um, obviously, he's he's in a great position for his deployment there in the top six. But, you know, I, to me, I, I think for Hagee is the player that we've seen here this last season. I think that the stuff he did is, is sustainable. Like his his luck metrics seem sustainable to me. There's nothing like too high or too low. Like he seems like a, an efficient shooter, right? 15.1% last season. That's right in line with his career averages. Um, and he's got great deployment, and that's not going to change. But my big thing is that I think Evander is going to pop off next season, um, and he's doing it at even strength. And I love players like this because what if he gets to power play one? What if Evander Kane gets, you know, they get Hyman out of there, you know, Hyman gets injured. Sorry, my man. And you got Evander Kane on here. Oh, my God. Like, first off, there's no chance that Evander Kane gets two power play points next season and zero power play goals. That's not going to happen. He's going to get like 10 power play points, something like that. So we're already going to see a regression there. I don't even know how this happened. You know, two power play points. Buddy, what are you doing out there? Are you facing the wrong way? Like, you got to go towards the net. Like, what are you doing? Um, But, uh, yeah, long story short, my thought on Evander Kane, I think he's going to pop next season because um, those distractions are behind him, Um, you know, and and he's playing with an amazing top six in Edmonton there. So, I don't know. What are you? You're pretty sold on Evander Kane for like 50, 55 points next season. Yeah, the thing is, he's never really been a power play guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there was only a couple seasons in San Jose where they literally didn't have too many other good options, and they put him there. But, like, he, his game is simple, right? He skates straight, he hits people, he gets puck, he shoots. Like, yeah. that's Evander's <laughs> game, which is part of why we love him in fantasy, because yeah. he, he does all those things a lot. But I think that also goes to show why he isn't necessarily given that power play time like Hyman is better at kind of protecting the puck and being creative with passes and obviously we know the other guys aren't going anywhere but it's it, who is that fifth spot and is it him or is it Hyman I think it makes a lot of sense why Hyman's there and not him yes. in terms of what you're getting out of that position and I watched the Sharks try Kane net front he's not really good at tipping pucks he's even though he's physical he's not as good in that role he's good at kind of hitting people more along the boards and open ice he's not as good at kind of like getting that net front presence and tipping. So 
that isn't really his game. And yeah, he's kind of just always been this, you know, 55 to 65 point player. He is getting a little bit older and slower. And yeah, he's got the off ice distractions. But I, I just don't know why he would necessarily pop like none of his numbers seemed crazy low his shooting percentage were kind was kind of in line his ipp was you know you know where it kind of should be his, his pdo was yeah maybe a little bit low but i don't really see him regressing super high and then verhage on the other hand yeah he hasn't really been as much the even strength you know or, or sorry the power play guy but i do think that he is more likely to continue to get that because last year he did he ended up getting you know, double, uh, more than double the power play time he ever had and 13 power play points. Yeah, maybe that's not a ton, but I, I don't think that was, you know, necessarily crazy either. I think that who else is going to get the top power play time in Florida is really the question. And they don't really have, to me, there's not, there's not as big of a challenge as there is for Kane, right? I mean, you got Barkov, Matthew or Kachuk, Reinhardt, and one of the defensemen, you know, probably Montour, I would guess. And then who's the fifth, forward or who's the other forward and it's like well maybe it's sam bennett but i think carver hagee also is has been shown that he's a little bit better of how they've kind of set that up so i think it's it's kind of one of those things where it seems like it's trending for hagee and i have less concrete evidence over the course of many years like i do with kane that he isn't he isn't really best suited for that spot so that's why i'm kind of leaning for hagee yeah, absolutely. And and I do think that they're totally comparable, right? Like with and Verhage's a little younger, right? And I think more goal scoring potential with Verhage. So that's definitely a feather in Verhage's hat, right? Like he's he's probably going to score more goals than Kane for sure. But I don't know. Those 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 rate stats. I love that with uh, Evander Kane and I love the fact that he's coming into the season healthy, you know, potentially no distractions. Like let's see let's see 82 games of Evander Kane and see what he can do cuz I honestly think He's a 65 to 70 point player with stupid perifs, um, you know, and then, like I said, anytime on the power play, that's just icing on the cake. All right. That's, that's how we're doing. And in a, in a bangers league, you're taking Kane all day. Come on, Verhage, get the hell out of my sight. All right. But in a points league, you know, we gotta, we gotta get the biz with Verhage. All right. Next up here, we're going to round six, pick 80. This is an interesting, uh, interesting discussion here. Jonathan Huberdo at pick 80 or Nicolaj Ehlers. What say you? You said it wrong. It's Nicolaj. Uh, Nicolaj. 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 Uh, I don't know what's going on. Oh yeah, this is this is a this is an interesting one. I I love Eler so much. I you know he's someone who's been an analytics darling. And you look at the underlyings and you're just like, oh man, he should score more. He should get more opportunity, more power play time. You know, we just did our beat interview with the Winnipeg Jets writer from the Winnipeg Sun, and he was talking about how the reason Ehlers doesn't get that is because Shifley wants, they want to play the same spot on the power play. Mm. And there's a lot of buzz about what's going on with Shifley. It sounds like they're trying to trade him, but they may not find the right package. So I think a lot of it comes down to if Shifley is still there, Ehlers, as wide open as that top six seems now, I don't think is getting top power play, even though it's like, Everyone pulls their hair out. Like, why isn't he on the top power play? I still don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to give it to Velarde. It's going to be Shifley, Connor. Like, I don't know. I follow Velarde in some or Nita Rider or whatever. They're going to give it to anyone else because because you can't have the two guys playing the same half wall spot. So that's going to really cap his upside, regardless of you know his even strength 
you know, amazing deployment. He's, he's so good, you know, uh, for years, he's been the man at even strength. Ehlers like five of five, five scoring. He's like he's way up there. And it's not like he doesn't get power play points. Cause he does, he's getting like you know, around 10 to 12 each season, but it's just not as much. So there's that, but then, you know, Huberto obviously had the massive regression. Now you guys have talked about that. It's just crazy. Like have, having your points is just like yeah. insane yeah. for one year. And so many things went wrong in Calgary and so many things continue to not look great in Calgary, which I guess is a, is a big concern and players are still talking about, you know, leaving or whatever. So that's a bit of a concern, but you know, you look at the contract, he's going to get opportunity. You got the new coach, you got, you know, he's, he's going to get, tons of opportunity to make that contract look good and they still have some pretty decent pieces there assuming Lindholm doesn't leave but you know they got Kadri and they got you know Backland Majapani these decent guys they got some really young good prospects too like Coronado and Peltier so they have they have enough for him to get you know closer to point per game like he has in the past and I think because of the opportunity and because you're 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 going to get a wild increase in in points so I th- I think that you'd have to go Huberto. I, I have to go Huberto here just because I think he's going to bounce back up quite a bit. I don't think he's hitting 100 again, but I think he can be closer to 80 points, you know, in terms of lots of assists. You know, he's he's got to have a, other people to convert for him too. He's never really been the biggest goal scorer. So he, he kind of does need a, a little bit of help, and I think that there's enough. Um, the only caveat I would say to this is if if Shifley is traded, I think I'm taking Ehlers all day long. If, if Shifley isn't taking that power play spot, but if he is, I think the bounce back is going to be a little bit better for Huberto than the baseline is going to be for Ehlers. But I do think it's, I do think this one's kind of close, and it kind of depends on which way you want to swing. Because I think Ehlers is safer, uh, even though the Winnipeg top six looks a little shaky too. But I think both these are a little. A little sketchy. You know? what, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting you say that because I think that Huberto's a bit safer. Um, like, I feel like, I, you know, he, he's not a 55 point player. There's no chance in hell that happens again. Like, but he's not 115 point, or 110 or 115 points or whatever he was either. Like, he's somewhere in the middle. Like, I think I haven't projected for like 85, something like that. Um, you know, like you said, there was just so many variables, so many things went wrong in Calgary last season, including just Huberto's confidence, his deployment. You know, he wasn't on power play one for a lot of the season. What the hell? This guy's like one of the best passers in the league. Power play two, get over there. Thanks, you know, Daryl Sutter, you ding dong. Like this, this, this makes no sense. So, you know, I'm definitely, I'm, I feel like Huberto is like, he's kind of the player that we think he is, right? He's not the 115 point guy, but he's this 80 80 to 85 point guy um and i think that that should be his floor right we saw the act the absolute basement this last season i don't think that's going to happen again that said i like healers here i want to take my boy nick nicolage um you know it's close like you said um i feel like Elos is a bit more of a swing due to you know kind of what you said right like um first off he, he's never shown with rick bonus rick bonehead as i call him um He's never shown the ability to get on the ice, buddy. Like Nikolaj last season, 15 minutes and 40 seconds. Why? What? Like, you know, I, I got so many questions on, on Ehlers last season. Like, should I drop this man? I'm like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't drop him, but you know, I, I can understand the thought because what the hell is this bull crap? Like, you know, 15 minutes, 40 seconds. No. Um, so I think, for me personally, I don't think they have a choice at this point to, to start playing Ehlers more minutes. Um, you know, as long as he comes into the season healthy, like um, Ehlers is one of the top puck carriers in the league. 
He's one of the best at that. Um, he just doesn't get deployment, right? Um, so he needs that. And like I said, let like let this man cook. I think it's Ehlers' season. I think he, he is going to get the first line. Uh, and then I think he's going to get first line power play. They, they got to make it work somehow. So, um, you know, but that I thank you for bringing that uh, information here because that that does that is interesting. Like you're talking to an actual beat reporter that's that's out there like covering the team. So that's something we have to take into consideration. Um, that said, like, I just think that they got to find a way to get him on there, right? Who who were they going to put on there instead of Ehlers, right? We go we go one defenseman. We got we got to find a space for Ehlers. So um, I think that's going to happen, but you know it hasn't happened. That's why it's kind of an unsafe. It's not as safe to me because that hasn't happened on a consistent basis yet. But you know if it does, like this guy's going to pop. I think Ehlers could get eighty points. Um, you know, and and that this all said too, I think both these players at this ADP. I think it could be value for both players, like 80 for Jonathan Huberdeau. Like this was a first round player last season. And I didn't agree with him being in the first round, but like, you know, maybe a third round, fourth round. And he's, he's still kind of, I think he's still that player, right? So you're getting him in round six, bang. I think that's value. And then Ehlers could be a bit of a reach here, but I think at the end of the season, it's going to be a value pick. That's just my thought. Um, but they're both players I'm targeting in drafts. I just think Ehlers' ceiling at this point in his career, it, it looks higher to me. And obviously, he shows out in all the metrics that we like to look at. Oh, my God. Um, here, I got it up here. Nikolaj, buddy, uh, he was second overall in individual Corsi 4 for 60 in the league. Second. He does that. Already puts a lot of pucks on the net or towards the net. 21st in shots of goal per 60. All that good stuff. So, um, Nikolaj, we salute you. I'm taking Ehlers here. But, I mean, again, both guys, similar production coming to me. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, I think you, I, I agree that both are probably decent values here. And I do think that Huberto probably should go a little bit earlier than this, just based on kind of averaging his ADP from, you mm -hmm. know, last year and kind of where he's going now. I do think probably a little bit earlier, but that that was, I know people were talking about taking him in the first round last year. And I was like, no, I mean, obviously I didn't know that he'd drop off that much, but it seemed, yeah it seemed pretty obvious he was going to, he was going to come down, but yeah, I mean, I think just in terms of the power play, we have seen, we have seen in Winnipeg, we have seen them put Pionk and Morrissey on the top power play instead of Ehlers. I mean, it just seems like, it seems like when it goes to assembling the Winnipeg power play, it's like, okay, step one, no Ehlers. Step two, let's figure out who else is going up there. And it's, it's like, what? So, uh, you know, you say like, who else can it be? And it's like, it doesn't seem to matter. They just, they just yeah. don't. <laughs> They just don't put him there unless Shifley's gone. I'm convinced now that it's just not going to happen for him. And once he, if he does move on, then it's going to be Ehlers' power play to to run and create, and it's going to be awesome. And he, you know, he's probably going to be like 80 plus point guy at that point, assuming there's enough talent around him to to keep doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I I hope it happens. I mean, it's obviously a player I'm watching big time this season, and I'm I'm taking a swing on Ehlers for sure. Um, I think that yeah, it's the the juice juice is worth the squeeze. All right, yeah, that uh, that was a tongue twister, but I got it out. All right, next one. We're going up to round number nine, pick one ten. I got Dylan Cousins, who we talked about a little bit, or Troy Terry of the Anaheim Ducks. What say you? Who are you taking at pick one ten? I'm taking Terry and. This this is interesting because I think these are these are kind of guys that had slightly different trajectories. I mean Terry kind of well well they both were kind of late breakouts. I think Terry had her had his recently, you know, a couple of years ago and then he and then he regressed, 
you know, a little bit, yep. you know, he was like 30 point guy and it's like, boom, 70. And then we thought he'd build on that. And he kind of, you know, slightly regressed. He was still good, still 70 point guy. And, you know, cousins also someone we expect a lot out of. And he, you know, was kind of similar a couple of years of you know, 30, 40 points and then, you know, almost 70, 69 point pace. So nice. I think we're similar, you know, right in that same range in terms of, where these guys have been the question is just how much farther can they go and i think the path is so much clearer for terry right mm -hmm. he has very little competition he's shown he can be one of the top options on a on a bad team i mean i guess if you're just looking at team obviously anaheim is, looks worse you know but there's less competition and yeah. I, but i think there's enough good players to you know give someone roughly point per game potential whereas with cousins there's so much goodness around him that you know he he got a lot of that because he was able to sneak on to that top power play and get 18 power play points which is great but like is he going to continue to get that much you know they have some other options in there so i'm just not sure if he's going to be able to keep up the power play power play point pace because if he can't then he's going to regress down to like a 60 ish point guy so um, I, th I think it's it's kind of close between these two in terms of, you know, that there's the, the the shooting percentage was also a little bit high for Cousins. You know, he he was before this past season, he was like a seven percent shooter. And then and then he basically doubled that in, in this year. So, you know, if that comes down, I'm not sure his time on ice, I think, you know, is something that is isn't necessarily locked in in terms of what he's going to continue to get the power play time was good but does that continue i think there's just more questions with cousins whereas you look at terry it's like he's done it you know he he there were some reasons why it didn't go like i knew he was going to regress from that 19 percent shooting percentage season last season and i figured you know if he shoots a little bit more he maybe will make up for it and he basically did because he ended up with almost the same point pace taking more shots scoring not as often and you know it kind of rounded out and that's what that's what good players do they figure out other ways to kind of you know make it work and i think he'll take another step next year and be closer to point per game whereas with cousins i just think there's there's too many question marks you know uh with him and i and i know that they uh the contract um i just not sure that it's going to age as well as i mentioned earlier and then you look at anaheim and it's like okay like he's the man Right. Like he's yep. making the most money. I mean, Trevor Zegers hasn't gotten his payday yet, so he may come in just a little bit higher than Terry. But it's like Terry's going to be the man like they're not going to be, you know, putting Jakob Silverberg out there, Frank Petrano. It's going to be Troy Terry with the best players they have on, on top power play, getting all the best deployment. And yeah, the Ducks may be a bottom five team again, but they're going to he's going to score a lot of points and, uh, and they're not necessarily going to win a lot, but he's going to score a lot. That's what that's what I think. Yep. I agree with everything he said there. I think you have to go Troy Terry here based on, on those reasons. Like the main one being like, first off cousins is stuck behind Tage Thompson in the pecking order, right? He, so that's, and, and that's going to be that way, you know, they're going to be number one and number two in terms of centers. Right. And so it, that caps his ceiling a little bit, right? And yeah. He gets on the power play and I, I could see him, I could see a world where you get, he, he gets a more than 18 power play points next season, right? As, as, the Sabres continue to kind of develop here, but um, I just think you have to take Troy Terry here. Um, he just got paid big time. He's the man, right? Um, and also right with the right wing eligibility, um, you know, I've been doing a bunch of mock drafts here recently and yeah, the, the, the set, there's so many centers left later on. So I think, you know, if you can pick up a guy that that's right wing eligible at this point in your draft, who's, who's has this kind of opportunity in Anaheim, you got to do it. Right. Um, 
but I, I thought these two players were interesting together because they're close in ADP, but also um, I think they're similar in the way that they create offense as well. Um, like kind of, you know, they, again, like talking about rush chances, transition. Um, these guys are both good at zone entries and kind of setting up offense off the rush. But yeah, as long as Cousins is stuck behind Tage there, I think that Terry's, we got to go with them. I think both players have the potential to score over 70 points. I think it's more likely that Troy Terry does that. And it's weird to say, but I kind of like the situation in Anaheim better right now for Troy Terry. I don't know. Um, speaking of Anaheim, do you think Leo Carlson plays this next season? Do you think he, does he, does he get a sniff? And, or, or uh, what's that guy's name? Olin Zellweger. What about, what about those two guys? Just while I got you here. Leo Carlson is definitely going to play in Sweden, so that's Sweden. that's not okay. going to happen. Does does he play? Does he come over at the end and and play some games? Yeah, maybe. You know, I mean, he doesn't have the the issues with like the junior eligibility or whatever, so he can come over whenever and play. But he's definitely going to play in the SHL, which their season starts early and ends early, so it's possible he gets, you know, more than nine games at the end. I mean, he could get you know closer to ten to fifteen, uh, depending yeah. on where they're at. Um, and Zellweger is funny. I've had a lot of conversations. I actually just had an interview with Scott Wheeler, who's like, in my opinion, the man in terms of prospect guys. And we were talking about the Anaheim blue line, which is crowded for prospects. And a lot of people have opinions of who's going to be the man running it in a few years. And and he agrees with me that it's going to be Zellweger. I don't know that it's going to be this year. I think that there's a really good chance that he makes the team and kills it. But I don't think that role is Jamie Drysdale's. And the only other option really in my mind is Pavel Minchukov. And Bellwegger's a little bit ahead of him. So it's realistically probably another year or two until that happens. But it could happen this year. It kind of depends on how how much they want to expose him to the, you know, losing. Throw him in a deep end. Yeah, really. Exactly. Um, that's awesome, though. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited about Anaheim. Uh, low key excited, right? They got some some interesting pieces, uh, obviously on the back end, and then guys like Zegers and, and Terry and McTavish too. I'm interested to see what McTavish can can do this upcoming season. So yeah, just give the, give these guys ice time. Just throw them. Yeah, really throw them in the deep end. Let's 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 see what <laughs> happens here. That's that's good for player development, right? Sink or swim. It always works. Right? Oh, yeah, totally. That works for everything. Um, all right. Uh, we are getting a little long, so I want to respect your time here, Victor. We have three more picks that I want to talk about. Let's do – we'll do kind of like a lightning. We'll, we'll do we'll, we'll do this, the quick summaries here on these picks because I want to get your thoughts on this. But the next one here, round number 12, pick 150, and you're staring at Owen Tippett and Dawson Mercer. All right. These are your two choices at pick 150 in your points league draft. Who are you taking? Well, this is hard because I love Dawson Mercer. He was he was one of my picks. I was calling him a top ten talent in his draft, and even though he went late, much later, and I just I just think he's an incredible player. He's if I was building a team, I would take him for sure. Like no, not even not even hesitating. But for fantasy, that's not necessarily the same thing. I think unfortunately Dawson Mercer is a little too good both ways for his own his own good. And I think it's very convenient that the Devils could just play him as a third line center and really can put him on any line and help help give that line great transition speed and, you know, defensive responsibility to some extent. But, you know, with Eric Halla there, I think it it helps his case that maybe he'll get on the wing. And, and because he is so fast, he can play with, you know, the Heashears and the Hughes and the Brats. But it's also like they have so much speed. Do they need that? So I don't. it's going to be interesting. I think he's... He's someone that could really move around a ton, and that's the only thing that really concerns me because 
you want someone who's kind of locked into that role, right? And that's my main concern with Dawson Mercer. They just may move him around a little bit and he may just not get the right role. And so I'm going to tip it my hat to Owen and give it to him because he, even though Philly is going to be gross this year, probably like, I don't, I don't know. They're going to struggle, but he's someone who I always liked to, I thought he, you know, his shot was really good. And I think he needed to figure out how to get in the right spots to unleash that shot. And he seems like he kind of had, he developed more of a nose for the net in Philly and was able to kind of drive in there and produce some, some goals in ways that he wasn't able to do in his career in Philly. I mean, in Florida, and he didn't have as much opportunity there to be, to be fair. So that was a big part of it. So I think that that was a big step for him. You know, some of his metrics were a little high, like the shooting percentage was a little bit high, you know, yeah. but I don't think that it's unreasonable. And and I think that this is kind of what you see when someone takes a huge jump in ice time and opportunity. So I think for the most part, I, I, it's it's reasonable and they're going to they're going to give him the opportunity because no one else is really going to deserve it as much, I think, on Philly. And so that's a, a big point for me is you just look at the opportunity. Who else is there? Who else is going to? Dictate, dictate time and it's like okay Konechny, Farabee, sure other than that are you giving power play time to Scott Lawton, Noah Cates, Garnett Hathaway over Tippett? No, you're giving it to Owen Tippett. He's going to be the guy that's getting the opportunity and I think he may not do too much better than he did last year. He may be in that 60-65 point range and so Mercer may end up with more but I think you're going to be frustrated as hell with Mercer because he's going to be playing third line, he's going to be top line, he's going to be power play, no power play and it's and, Tippett at least I think will be there, you know, and have the opportunity to score more. And so I like that. So I'm taking, I'm taking that swing here. What about you, Blake? Yeah, no, I think I got to go with Tippett here. And also I love hearing that fan tracks draft sound in the background. That just gets me jacked <laughs> up. I, I love that you're drafting right now because I've actually got a couple ongoing myself. All right. It's a good sound and it makes me happy. All right. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I definitely got to go with Tippett here for, for all the reason you mentioned um, to me. Yeah. Like Dawson Mercer it could be feast or famine, right? Just throughout the season. Yeah. He'll have consistent numbers towards the end of the season, but you know, I'm sure he could be streaky, like depending on where he is in the lineup. Whereas Owen Tippett's going to be, I, I think his role is solid on this team. And he's really broken through as a player that uh, Coach Tortellini really likes. You know, um, yeah, he's he was feeding him minutes like last quarter of the season. His ice time, 20 minutes and 25 seconds in the last 20 games of the season there. That was his average time on ice. So, um, yes, guys are coming back on Philly. I, I think Philly's an interesting team, actually. When you got guys like Couturier and, you know, for lesser extent, Cam Atkinson coming back. And, um, you know, just the development of, of this guy, Owen Tippett, right? They might not be as bad. They're going to be bad. I'm definitely not saying that they're not going to be bad, but... Um, they they might surprise a little bit and just in terms of being difficult to play and and maybe some low-key fantasy value. And guys like Owen Tippett are, are right at the top of that list for me. I actually like Konechny too. I really like Travis Konechny for next season. Um, but uh, yeah, like Owen Tippett, I think he's going to be a staple on power play one. I think that's going to be good to go. I think his ice time could be closer to this 20 minutes. I, I could see him averaging 19 minutes time on ice next season, getting like a 60 to 65 points. Whereas Dawson Mercer, yeah, his his shooting percentage – um, he's, he's not a volume shooter and he's a high efficiency or he was last season. And so when I see that, I don't like that, <laughs> you know, I want to see more shots and high efficiency, not less, uh, less shots and high efficiency. So I think the 27 goals, I am not sure that's something that is sustainable unless he starts shooting a little bit more. And maybe he does, right? Because just the, the way they run their offense there in Jersey, it's, it's all rush offense. And, and this guy's a speedy guy. So, um, 
you know what? Another thing I like about Mercer, he's played all 82 games in both seasons. That's kind of, that's neat. You know, like this guy, yeah, he's still mm-hmm. a young guy. He's only 21, but he's, he's, he's well, he's established himself in the league. So I don't think huge regressions are coming. You know, he's still developing as a player, but you know, he's had two full seasons under his belt. So it's a player I'm definitely excited about, but in terms of fantasy, I gotta go with Owen Tippett. Um, you know, I'm not even sure Mercer gets, he's not going to get power play one there. Right. So he's going to get power play two. Tippett will get power play one. That's a, that's a big thing there as well. Plus Tippett bangs. All right. He does that Mercer. No, he's twirly woo. He doesn't do that. He, he avoids hits and just, you know, he just gives awkward stares at people. All right. That's what he does. But uh, Tippett, he, he doesn't do that. He'll smash you. So yeah, we got to go. There is one reason to favor Mercer. And that is that it's one of the best fantasy team names is Lord have Mercer. <laughs> I just I just want that name but i haven't been able to get him at the right spot you know yeah, that yeah. makes me feel comfortable with it well you got to join more leagues victor all right it'll happen for you buddy all right I can't join more than like 23 leagues that i'm already in what, so. what do you can't i don't want to hear that all right we don't say that word here on cream of the crop all right we don't say can't all right we say won't all right i'm hell no i'm not <laughs> that's too much all right i'm gonna have to get a divorce i don't like that um <laughs> all right let's move on we got two more um at pick 180 here we're doing the goalie edition it's round 15 you're doing zero g like you should all right and it's pick 180 you're picking your first goalie are you taking Jonas corpasalo of the ottawa senators or Vili huso of the detroit red wings what are you doing at pick 180 there victor Well, this is definitely the range where I'm taking a goalie. So yes, Love uh, it. I thought I would. I thought I would be vomiting, but that's only happening in the top ten rounds. But if it's this late, I'm good. I can I can stomach it. I can keep mm-hmm. it down. I have to tell you, He's I'm good. definitely. <laughs> I'm definitely one of the biggest Corpus Allo skeptics out there. I just, I've seen his numbers yo-yo around year by year. In fact, I pulled up a evolving hockey query of these two over their career. And this is like flipping back and forth who did better basically over the years because Corpus Allo in 15, 16 had that amazing year. And then he was really good this year in different spurts in Columbus and LA. But then he's also been by far like terrible, like the worst, you know, like his he has three seasons that are the worst of this group. So, yeah, you know, I think Huso to me really showed what he could do in that St. Louis year that he played a fair amount. And I think this year and I talked to uh, Max Boltman actually from the athletic for our Detroit series, and, and he kind of agreed that he played too much this past year. It was it was, it was too much. And the team was. A little chaotic you know the defensive pairs hadn't quite worked it out so there was a lot of moving parts this year but i still think he's a good goalie whereas corpus Allo has proven to me over the years that he's really inconsistent at times and i also think that you have to think about the is the goalie right for the system and corpus Allo, i think is someone who really needs a structured environment he needs to have good defensive uh, awareness and structure so that he can not move around too much but still make those athletic saves when when needed to but when you have a little too much chaos going on in the defense he gets a little too wild and moves around too much and leaves some really bad angle shots and so i'm not sure that the fit is going to be good for him in, in ottawa frankly and i think that you know sometimes you just look at numbers and you're like oh this guy was good he was good last year he's going to be good for us but like i don't know that the team fit is really what is going to work best for Eunice and 
that makes me a little bit worried. Um, the contract is, you know, um, also, I guess, kind of an issue. But I mean, I guess you like that to some extent that it's like, OK, you know, we're paying this guy and he's going to he's going to get the rep. So you like that. There's there's that's true. But like Forsberg was also good for them last year. So uh, there's a little bit of a question mark there. And I think if Corpus always struggles, they're, they're not going to hesitate to to move. And whereas with Huso, there's really no one else. <laughs> like it's going to be him. Right. So I really like that. Like James Reimer's not, doesn't, doesn't pose any threat there. So it's, it's going to be Huso. And I think Detroit had a little bit of a stumble last year, but they're going to be better. Um, they were loading up on the defense. I'm not really sure what they're doing with all these defensemen when they have some really good ones come young ones coming up. But I think what what Max said is that they want their young guys to earn it and not just to be given that spot, which is which is fine. But anyways, I definitely like Detroit better. I like the fit better, and I don't trust Junis. Uh, but apparently, um, do you, Blake? <laughs> I trust him so much. I uh, yeah, I'm inviting him to Thanksgiving dinner. He's a part of my family. All right. Um, no, I don't know the man, but. You know what? I, I think these goalies are really comparable. Like I was um, when I value goalies, like, you know, I kind of dumb it down a little bit because I just don't care. All right. These goalies get the hell out of my sight. But uh, for fantasy, um, but Ottawa and Detroit kind of similar just in terms of their their metrics and what they were able to do last season. Um, I did. I for me, Corpus Allo, Yeah, he's been up and down throughout his career. But I look at the teams that he's played for. Like he played for a really shitty Columbus team for a lot of years as a backup. You know, like, so he's, it, to me, it's hard to really value or, or gauge what Corpusella really is. And I look at the way he played with LA and granted, like LA is structured, like you said, their team system, they're, de- they're very defensive. Like that's a great place for certain goalies to be. And I think that Corpusella excelled there. I liked him there. Um, I, I'm surprised they didn't make a, make a pitch for him, try and get him signed there because he, I think he fit their system well. Um, and I also just totally agree um, with with your take there about the team system it has to match the goalie, right? And that's something that I've actually spoken with Kevin Woodley about um, of In Goal Magazine. He's he's amazing when it comes to talking goalies, and that's like one of the biggest things that he talks about is like you can't just bring a good goalie on a good team. Like the the system has to make sense, right, uh, and match. So that all said, we'll see how this goes. Right. I, I love, I actually love that they did sign him to that contract. It shows consistency shows that he's going to get first crack. He's their guy. They feel somewhat confident in that. Um, and I look at Billy Huso, like he was Jonas Corbisalo like two seasons ago when, you know, he got the reins in uh, St. Louis and then he, and then he moved to Detroit and kind of got his own thing here and he didn't have a great season. So maybe that's in the cards for Corbisalo, but I do think Ottawa's improved. Um, you know, they got guys coming back like Norris, who's going to make a big difference, right? Def- you know, he, he's a, a decent defensive center as well. Plus a uh, full season, Jacob Chikrin. I mean, I know he's not, uh, you know, a defensive giant, but you know, just having good players like that, moving the puck out, like he's, he's great at zone exits, Jacob Chikrin. So I think they're going to be better. I think last season stung for the senators. Um, and I'm not sure that the Detroit is going to be better. I don't like obviously getting to break I think is, is a nice piece there. Cause he's, he's going to have a nice season, I think, but I don't know. Yeah. Lots of young guys on the back end. I like Petrie there. That's, that's a nice little thing, but defensively he's not great either. <laughs> he's good in fantasy, but I don't know. It's a stinky decision, but I like uh Corpus Allo. I think he's a guy I'm targeting for zero G for sure. I, I, I like that situation. I think Ottawa is going to be a lot better. Plus I think they'll get more goal support than Detroit will. My two cents. Yeah, that, I mean, that's fair. I just, I'm, I'm never going to take Corpus Allo. So if we're in a league together, you can have them all day, buddy. 
Oh, sweet. Okay, I'm I'm keeping track of this, buddy. All right. We got to get in a league together. My God, what the hell are we doing? This, this, this show ain't no good. Um, I don't know. All right. Last one. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Victor. I really appreciate uh, you sticking it out here. Okay. This is our late round flyer pick. We got to decide what are we going to do. It's round 18. It's your last pick of the draft. You're at pick 225. We've got Anthony Duclair still on the board and Philip Heedle. What are you doing? Well, realistically, I'm probably just taking the guy with the better schedule and streaming that spot. But if I'm trying to decide realistically between these two, I think it's close. And obviously, we don't know as much about what's, you know, in terms of data from last year from Duclair, because he didn't he didn't play more than 20 games. And right. you know, he did come back in the playoffs, I believe it looked OK. But it's a little, uh, you know, unsure, unclear. You know, we have to kind of look back. I think it's more appropriate to look back over a three year average and kind of see what what he has done. But also he's changing teams you know, he's going to the Sharks, who are going to be a dumpster fire and it's going to be awful. But they still have some good players. I mean, Hurdle. Couture still there. They got Hoffman, who's, I don't know, whatever. And Berbanov's pretty decent. And then they're going to have someone running that power play from the back end. I'm not sure who that's going to be. <laughs> um, but so they'll get some points. And I think I like the fact that he's going to get that opportunity, which is the complete opposite for Hedl, right? I mean, he's buried on the depth chart. And that's one of the strengths. You know, it's a, it's like a double-edged sword. The strength of the team is the weakness of the, of the fantasy asset. And that's exactly what we're looking at here. You know, Hedl is a really, really good third line center, but that's what he is. And, you know, he's not going to get power play time. He's not going to get the opportunity and he still, yeah, it was great. He still managed to get up to that, you know, 56 point, 50 point pace that he was at, but I just don't know how much more he has to go from there. He shot a few percentage points over his average. His ice time was one of the highest of his career. You know, his PDO was high. His IPP was high. Like, I think he's going the other way. I'm not sure he's going up. I'm not sure there's there's a, a much higher he can go unless, you know, unless Trocek gets injured and all of a sudden he's playing with Panarin. Don't, don't like, say okay. that. All right. That man never gets injured. All right. <laughs> Come on. Especially the way he plays. You'd think it'd happen more often. But yeah, no, I don't. I just don't think it's very likely that that's going to happen, that that Zibby or Trocek are, are moving any, any which way. So I think Heedle is stuck there playing with, you know, whoever, Lafreniere and BC or whatever they're doing, Kako, I'm not sure. So I just I just think that I'm I'm probably taking the guy who has more opportunity, even though the situation's kind of stinky. And but if he can get power play time and he can play with those those are two good centers. You know, Hurdle and Couture are both good centers, you know, and that's you know, better opportunity than Heedle, who's gonna have to drive that line on his own and get get far fewer minutes. So um I don't love this choice. I don't, I don't really love either of these. And like I said, I would probably just stream this spot and you can kind of see, like if you take Duclair and you know, he's getting power play time and he's doing okay, great. You keep him. If not, you just, you just kick him with the curb, right? Either way. I think you're not holding on to either of these guys too hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you, you hit it right on the head there. I think you have to go with opportunity here at this point in the draft. Like you get someone who's going to be on the ice, like at the very least. Right. And uh, Duclair's pathway to that is much better, like, you know, than Hedl, who's just doesn't have a lot of runway for him to take off. You know what I mean? Um, that said, I've, I mean, I've heard reports out of New York, like, um, the head coach wants to, he play the younger guys more. And he's specifically talking about that third line, the kid line, you know, getting these guys more opportunities. I don't know what that looks like, because like you said, where, where, where are they going to go? 
right? You know, they'll, they'll get power play two, right? But it's, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty much where it ends, right? That said, I do like, I mean, what Heedle's able to do in his limited minutes, right? Like 14 minutes, 41 seconds average time on ice. 45 points, that's nice. I feel like that's kind of, I would expect that sort of from Hedo. Um, his his advanced metrics, the ones we like, they're, they're all like very nice. Like um, that's something I like about Hedo. Like 54th overall in shots and goal per 60, 53rd in court, individual Corsi 4, and then 43rd in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. Like, and he's doing that on the regular, right? This is a third liner doing that. So, you know, we have to kind of take him at his floor of ice time, right? But if that boosts up a little bit, then the production goes up, right? And I do have some faith in those numbers with Philip Hedl, but I, I think you have to go to Claire here because the opportunity's there. He should get power play one, right? And um, he should get first line minutes, I would think. And he never gets that, right? If you look at the Claire, like what's his what's his best season? 16 minutes and 16 seconds average time on ice. I think he should obliterate that this season. I think he'll be an 18 minute man and we've never really seen him do that. Right. And he can be successful on the power play, which he was in Florida that year where everyone went nuclear. Right. So um, I like Duclair. I'm low key into it. I think he also kind of shows out in some of those micro stats too, that, that I was talking about in terms of like uh, chances off the rush, you know, chances created off the rush. He's, he's good at that. Um, so yeah, I like Duclair, but it's close. I have Hedl in a lot of spots actually in some of the mock drafts I've done because I like the, I like the sort of swing play there. And, and if he gets any more time, I think Hedl could be, could really pop and he's only 23. So I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at with that. I don't know anything, anything else to add on that? Not really. I'm just, I'm not really that interested in Hedl. I just don't think that he's going to get the opportunity um but i mean if you're talking about a deeper league i think this conversation changes but for this streaming spot i I think that either one of them are really all that interesting but i do really thank filipito because a couple years ago when ryan strome was still on the team my buddy brett bet me a jersey that Hedl would have more points and i appreciate Hedl sucking so i could get that jersey oh my god all right now you're just talking yang on filipito all right he's a young man just trying to live his life victor come on all right, that's fine. I'm glad you got the jersey, all right? But this is a no <laughs> slamming Philip Heedle zone, all right? I should have warned you about that. All right, that, that's okay. Next time, Victor. Uh, <laughs> buddy, it was awesome to have you. Thank you so much, Victor, for your time. I really appreciate that. I had a great time chopping it up with you today, all right? Tell our listeners where they could find you on the socials and what you got cooking over the next little bit. Yeah, you can find me on the artist formerly known as Twitter at Victor Nuno 12, V-I-C-T-O-R-N-U-N-O-1-2. And you can check out my podcasts. I have Dauber Prospects Report with Peter Harling, where we talk all about prospects and don't really cover any of the NHL guys, all the all of what's coming next. Great for your dynasty leagues. And then at Fantasy Hockey Life with Jesse Severe, we talk more dynasty. So we talk like 100 gamers, prospects, established guys and contract leagues, how that all applies to your dynasty league so those are the main places to follow me we got a whole bunch of team previews going on over at fancy hockey life we're doing all 32 teams in depth with prospects goalie experts and team beat writers it's a it's, it's a lot going on each episode is it's quite a haul and then at uh Dabber prospects report we're covering we're going to be covering a bunch of the rookie tournaments we just did the helinka gretzky the world summer showcase and then we're going to be covering the rookie showcases each each team has like a group of teams that are getting together and do rookie showcases so we'll be covering breakdown from those 
and a bunch of other goodness coming throughout the season. It was uh, it was great, Blake. Thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully we'll get to do it again. See you at the party, Richter. My man, what a freaking resume on you. Holy jeez, this is insane. Um, everybody, this is must-listen material. You got to get your biscuits over and listen to what this man's doing. They, they, the content is insane, super high quality, so uh, it's something I listen to all the time as well. So thank you so much for your service. I'll see you at the party, Victor. Um, but that's all we got for today. We're going to do some more ADP battles uh, moving forward. I got some other guests, some other legends like this man here. But that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Celebrate your day. Bye for now. A rational explanation is hardly necessary. necessary, 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 necessary.